Rises up, the shot, and it's good! It's good! Wisconsin has won! Let's not miss, bitch. Bruzewitz to midcourt. Rust has it, lets it go! Lets it go! What the hell am I doing here? <laughs> By Taylor, the 20, to the 15, cuts inside, 10, 5, touchdown, Wisconsin! Welcome back to another episode of the Badger Notes After Dark Podcast, part of the Big Banter Sports Network. I'm your host, Dylan Graff, co-founder of BadgerNotes.com. You can follow the podcast on YouTube at Badger Notes After Dark or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcast. I'm joined with me, as always, by Brandon Cooper, Jason Long, and Ryan Allers. How are we doing here, fellas? So I thought good. you said pipecast at first. And <laughs> the boys do lay pipe, so... Nah. Can't <laughs> confirm. Speak for yourself, dude. <laughs> well, I know a guy who lays pipe. Not to, not to each other. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a pipe fitter, not a pipe layer, brother. All right. Well, more of a muffin you know, myself. <laughs> yeah, on that note, uh, we're actually entering today's episode uh, with heavy hearts. Um, we learned this morning that uh, Toby Keith died at 62 years old uh, from cancer. Um, just a, an icon. Um, not not sure how what, what more there is to say about it. Uh, we will pay tribute to him later on in this episode. Um, wouldn't feel right if we didn't. Um, as, as far as the Badgers, the reason, the entire reason that you're probably listening to the, this podcast, uh, you know, we'll discuss the Badgers two last week, um, and unfortunately dropping to 11th in the standings or in the AP top 25, uh, 16 and six, eight and three in the Big Ten, uh, tied for second in the Big Ten right now. Uh, you know, kind of get into our big dogs of the week and. Bring it home with what are we doing here? Uh, Coop, I just want to pass it over to you. I know you're on the road right now. Uh, you've been alone with nothing but your thoughts. Talk some basketball. Yeah, me uh, in a hotel room with my thoughts and a Spotify and Twitter account is a dangerous combination and Miller High Lives. But, yeah, out here in uh, hot Atlanta for work, um, I'll be flying out tomorrow morning. So burning the uh, midnight oil with the fellas tonight to close the old uh, – work trip down but thoughts um on the nebraska game yikes i mean just deja vu ptsd obviously of last year they talked about it endlessly on the broadcast i'm sure greg guard brought it up at halftime of that game i didn't watch his presser so he might have said something about it but i mean to blow a lead like that is when you're supposed to be a top 10 team in the country is unacceptable Nebraska's a good team. I feel like they're pretty good at home. Um, didn't they go to overtime with Illinois yesterday or the day before? I saw it was a three-point three, three point game. I don't know whether or not it went to overtime. I, I didn't watch it. It did, and then they missed a the buzzer beater in overtime. <clears throat> okay. But, I mean, to me in that game, just stupid turnovers. And what the fuck? Where is Stephen Crowell? Where is the post presence in that game? So many bad shots, just undisciplined basketball. Um, just not the Badger team we were uh, used to seeing against Nebraska. And then against Purdue, um, I actually didn't get to watch that game because I was uh, in classes for my work conference. So just box score. Um, why, why don't we hit pause right there and run okay. around the table with Nebraska and then we can circle back to some Purdue because uh Denver. I, I I think um you know to to your point the the Nebraska game 
it, it, it was embarrassing. I mean, when AJ store come out and score the first 10 points, I was like, here we go. Like we're going to bury these motherfuckers. And uh, yeah, they just, they, they pissed it away again. I want to toss it over to you, Jay. Um, you know, I, I think we've all probably got some fairly polarizing thoughts on this one, but I want to hear what you want to hear what you walked away with. Yeah. You, you kind of touched on it there with AJ store, like that first 10, that just kind of came away with like one of the coolest stats in a loss. I feel like ever because they had a run where AJ store had 10 straight points, a run where Chucky had 10 straight points and a run where max had 10 straight points. So three different guys scored 10 straight on their own and it was kind of to, to no avail, but I mean, Coop, it, it was super like just uncharacteristic 16 turnovers for yeah. the Badgers. That's unheard of for, for this squad. And then, I mean, they just, it, Dylan, I told you before when we were talking, like it just, you could feel that game like quickly slipping away when it was like a 16 point game to still 15 point game in the second half. Like it never felt like a comfortable game for whatever reason. Uh, and maybe that was because of, because of what happened last year, but Nebraska is really good at home. I mean, they haven't lost at home yeah. yet, so they're going to probably be a tournament team. That would have been a quad one win for the Badgers still not to completely spin. Zone. It was a bad loss to, to blow a lead <laughs> like that and lose, but I mean, they, they could have lost to a worse team. And and when you have a guy that's just going to come off the bench and flamethrow and shoot seven for 10 from the field and score 22, like sometimes it's the other, it's the other guy's night, but only getting eight points out of wall and crowd combined is, <clears> I mean, Badgers aren't going to win a lot of games if those two dudes aren't producing. Yeah, I Stephen Crowell can't. I mean, yeah, he had 13 rebounds. That's awesome, but you can't have a game where you only have two shot attempts. Yeah, I mean, he's the most efficient scorer on the floor. Like he, he in most situations. I mean, even if you want to rewind to the last time they played Nebraska, like Stephen Crowell bullied Rink Moss, and they weren't able. You know, obviously they were prepared. To, they were double, and then they took the post away. But like Wisconsin had no counter for it. Like they pretty much just accepted. Guess we're not playing through the post, and I, I that was really disheartening. When the Badgers front court has, quite frankly, been dominant in a lot of the games post Providence. So, thought that was pretty rough. Uh, Ryan, what did you see? What where, what are you feeling coming out of that one? Yeah, I think it was just more embarrassing than anything. Because, like you said, being a, being the sixth ranked team, if you come out there and you're up by that much, you, you can't shit the bed like that. I mean, at some level, you got to just kind of close the door if you really are uh, if you really are him. Like you, you got to just gotta you got to end it. I know I know Nebraska hasn't lost at home, and they're a good team. But at the end of the day, I th I think what they missed the most uh, is. I was wondering where the leaders were, you know what I mean? Cause when you get into games like that, you need that steadying force that, you know, we all watch Wisconsin basketball. We can see that they can, they can fill it up now versus the previous years where we were kind of in the high fifties, low sixties, kind of slugging it out. Like that's where you kind of just slow the pace. Like I know you want to go, 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 but I mean, we could also look at this sometimes like the Phil Longo offense, like, there's sometimes you can't just always go, go, go. Like you got to kind of read the room and to just settle it down. And I feel like, too often in the second half, it was like, we're still like trying to go pedal to the metal. And it's like, boys, the, the clock's going down. you got a comfortable lead. You don't need to go in like preservation mode, but it's like, you also don't have to be so damn careless and like trying to fill it up. Like, let's just run a smart offense, run a steady offense, get good shots. If they come back because you did all the right things, like you said, it's that it's their night. But at the end of the day, Nebraska earned the win, but I almost look at it like Badgers beating Badgers more than Huskers beating Badgers. 
Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, there were so many careless turnovers, and even when they had a healthy lead, they they just they looked like that they were shook. You know, like they they shrunk in those moments, and like they played out of control. When a yeah, you would like to be able to lean on some kind of leadership there, and you know, rein it in. And you know, I, one thing that like I I'm curious what y'all uh what y'all's thoughts are on this, but I I think that. Com- Kamari McGee being absent right now is a lot bigger Huge. deal than we are giving it credit for. I mean, I Kamari has been providing excellent minutes and he, you know, he was only averaging about seven minutes a game, just seven minutes that in this particular game and in, you know, really every game moving forward would have done a lot for Chucky. Cause I would say my yeah. biggest gripe with Greg guard and the way he handled that game. And it's easy to say this with the benefit of hindsight, but holy fuck were those starters tired at the end of the game. I mean, obviously Greg doesn't lean into the bench, a ton in the second half of games. <clears throat> and I bet you he probably didn't think that they were going to piss away a 16-point halftime lead. But at the end of the game, Chucky could barely stand up. He, You could see it on the broadcast. He asked Coach, can Ma- have Max bring it up? Yeah. He couldn't even bring the ball up the floor anymore. Like Some lazy fouls, too. Absolutely. Some of them were just, yeah, absolutely out of be tired frustration. Like I shouldn't say lazy, but yeah, tired. A combination of all of it. Like he, you know, Kamari McGee would have been and just would be in general a a really nice addition right now. Um, So I I thought that the bench did not get used nearly enough and kind of rode the starters in the ground and left them susceptible, you know, to the way that the end of the game kind of played out. Really frustrating. Um, like you guys all said, Nebraska, they're a good team. Tip of the cap, Fred Hoiberg, like he's finally got this going the right direction. Took a lot longer than I would have guessed. I, I think that he is a really good basketball coach. Um, College basketball coach. Yeah, correct. Yeah, the, the Bulls tenure didn't uh, <laughs> go according to plan. I think he'd tell you that. Um, yeah. But, you know, even after the game, I do got to say, I think Hoiberg was one of the least emotional and like least excited people I'd seen for – know, having a court storming and having ESPN or, you know, big 10 networks that they're talking to you on the crowd, just a monotone figure. I, I, I don't know. That, that was kind of weird, but. Well, he said it after the broadcast too, like Wisconsin, great team, well-coached team, but he, he told Nebraska at halftime, Hey guys, remember last year? Like, why not again? And that's clearly that's all they needed to hear. Cause then they started making it absolutely fucking rain. Yeah, going, back to, going back to your like depth thing with Kamara McGee, Chucky played 41 minutes. Like anybody is going to be absolutely gassed when they're doing that. But like the Badgers this year, we, we kind of like have constantly said, like, we got depth, we got depth, we got depth. Like this team's different because we have depth and their bench outscored our bench 34 yeah. 10, like, which is again because Wiltshire went bonkers. But like, I, I agree, totally agree with you, Dylan. We, we just, Greg's kind of tightening up that <laughs> tightening up that rotation, uh, and in close games, clearly he doesn't seem like he's comfortable with some of those bench guys. At least, at least not all playing on the floor together, because because I think we'll see like one guy you know get a little bit more run every here and there. But uh, yeah, that that was that was a little concerning the bench uh, being a non-factor. And I feel like Blackwell maybe over the past few games is maybe kind of hitting the freshman wall. On offense, so the same, so the same not, not as aggressive. Like you can tell, there's just something a little different is off. And, I mean, that could be easily moments. fixed. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
And and how spoiled are we that like where this is we're at this point in the season yeah. we can finally say that like he's <laughs> been that good. But uh yeah, I mean I completely agree. Like he's he's not been he's not been playing, you know, up to the up up to snuff, honestly. And you know, I think one thing like we, we know Kamari McGee is not returning for a couple of weeks yet, and I think that guard's gonna have to find a way to steal minutes for like on Chucky's behalf whenever possible. I, I think Klesman is Showing that he is capable of bringing the ball up the court, yeah. court and you know initiating offense for he can get you he could probably steal you two minutes. I'm confident that John Blackwell can get you you know a minute or two throughout the game. You know like you have some alternatives like if if Chucky's off the floor, you know a combination of Max, John, you know even Tyler. Just all you need is someone who can cross half court, initiate the offense, and realistically the continuity ball screen that they're running involves a lot of interchanging pieces. They're all kind of playing the same positions anyway. I just think you got to find a few more there for Chucky. So that way he doesn't wear down at the end of the year here. Yeah. I'd like to introduce Greg guard to this uh, guy he has on his team. Also um, his name's Connor Sejan and, and he can also shoot the ball pretty well. So turns it, out. Yeah. So maybe, maybe give him a little more than four minutes in a game. Well, I think, I think that's part of what you're talking about with the depth though, Jay is like when, when you, when you point out like 34 to 10, it's like, well, you're not going to score more than 10 points if you don't play anybody. And yeah. I, think that's, I think that's kind of like where guard needs to go back in into you know the lab and start thinking about you know rotation management because when you look at last year they Nebraska did the same thing they ran off a second half on you last year so it's like you should have been preserving your starters at the beginning of the second half the end of the first half so you can buy them those times that you're talking about but I think that part about Chucky like when he was when he was gassed no question but I think I think we might be minimizing that I think not super injured but i think he was injured because if you remember towards the end of the game he had that blow by and he stepped yeah. on the right foot mm-hmm. ever since then i watched the next couple ball sets or ball screens and like he wasn't he didn't have the same push off so i think he totally didn't agree up because he he didn't feel confident in his feet so my thing that. is just it's just the leash thing that with guard like and i don't i don't blame Greg guard at all i'm not the fire guard camp up absolutely not and Dylan, I'm with you. Like when watching the games, I don't necessarily like disagree with the rotations and what what they're doing. But then I think when I look back at the box score, and it's things like Crowell was scored one point in that game. He had four fouls. Yeah, he had 13 rebounds, but he was, only took two shots. And then Nolan Winter only played nine minutes. So what did, what did we do? Well, there was no alternative for Crowell not playing well. And Tyler Wall didn't really play score. At least he wasn't. A, you know, he wasn't very effective on the offensive end either. So like. We're getting nine minutes out of Nolan Winter, four minutes out of Connor Season, and in the second half, we just didn't score, and our in our front court wasn't good. So, like, why are we not doing different things? And that's where it goes back to I think the leash that Greg Guard has with some obviously earned starters. You know, Crowell has should get a leash, Walsh should get a leash, Klesman should get a leash. But then when it comes to like some of the bench rotation guys, it's like, you know. You you miss one rebound and you're gone, or you miss a jump shot, and you're you're out. And it's it just doesn't that part of it kind of bothers me. A Seems little like bit. he had PTSD, like he, he, his nuts went up in his tummy after seeing it last year, and then kind of get deja vu <laughs> the second year. Yeah, kinda, maybe. All right, only starters are playing. We got to get out of here, and it didn't work. Well, yeah, and, and it's a hindsight thing too. We're talking about how good like the Badgers' depth is, but I feel like this has been true all season. When Storr is out of the game, who do we have on the wing to really back him up? That's that. I mean, obviously, you're not going to get a guy who's that size. Like, 
that size nope. or with that athleticism, but like who's coming into the game? Say AJ Store gets three fouls in a big game down the stretch here. Like who's coming into the game where you're being like, he can play 10 minutes and a half and I feel comfortable. Cause I for me that for me that answer is John Blackwell. I mean, he's his direct backup as it is, and I, I feel plenty confident that he can give those minutes, but obviously you're not gonna have anybody who's gonna give you, you know, the positive things that AJ Store brings to the table. Um, you're, you're right. Like there is no prototypical size, like, you know, you're giving up three well, inches there, but I, I'm say, confident that John can give those minutes. When you play Blackwell, you're going small then. Like if you're playing him at small forward, him or Max at small forward. It, but that's, that's why but that's, that's what John's done all year though, is he's, he's played the three. Right. But that's, isn't that the coach's job to like make adjustments because it's, you're not going to get the same production out of it, like out of your bench. AJ store is a, a unique guy. They're not, they don't have another AJ store on their team. So it's up to the coaches then to adjust and run a different offense, run different sets for guys like Connor Asesian to get the ball reversals to Max Klesbit to get Tyler wall and, and Crowell in two man games and post post touches. Like that's their job. Yeah. At, at the end of the day, the, the, the loss to Nebraska was, was crushing, you know, especially given the circumstances, you know, with, you know, we're about to get into Purdue here, you know, you, you welcome Purdue to the Cole center in a game where, you know, now Purdue's got a half game lead in the big 10 prior to this matchup. And, you know, you, you didn't have to put yourself in that position, but unfortunately that's, that's where they were at. Uh, unfortunately we lost by six Purdue 75, 69, um, in a game where, you know, credit to the student section, there were some other fuckers that slept overnight, you know, in the twenties, you know, before that game, they showed out, they did their part. Um, you know, honestly, I thought this was a game where like they kept Zach, Zach Eady in check. Like he, as far as, a, as far as an Edie game goes, like that was pretty pedestrian for him. And like, especially in the first half, I thought the game plan was executed really well. Um, you know, just offensively, they short of Tyler Wall didn't have a lot of things that went right. Um, and Ryan, I want to toss it over to you. Uh, talk to me about some good, some bad, some ugly. What did you see during during the game versus Purdue? I I just love watching Tyler Wall play when he plays like that. I mean, watching him try to do all those post moves on Zach Eady was like me and my ten year old son playing on the Nerf hoop. <laughs> I'm just gonna stand there, and it's like, all right, go for it, go for it, go for it. And occasionally my son will get one, but Tyler was getting them at record rates. Just some of the footwork he had down there. I know we kind of did this either or thing uh, a week or so ago um, on the pod where I think I went to Ethan Happ over Tyler Wall. And I, like, again, looking at the two, he just, he reminded me of Ethan Happ that game, just how he was like always on the pivot foot, always moving. And just like, I'm like, how's that not a travel? And it's like, he just did such a great job with his footwork. I enjoy watching him play, especially when he plays like that, as far as, as far as the bad, I just, I mean, you could tell the athleticism shortage, like you had store out there that looked like he belonged Klesmit to some extent, Chucky, but it was like when, when, uh, old buddy 55 was out there cooking everybody on a press, I'm just like, well, that's kind of embodies the athleticism that we need to get to at all five positions. I mean, I know, and I'm not calling them all stiffs, but it's just like, <laughs> there's, there's levels to this. And even with Purdue outside of Edie, it's like everybody that they put in there seemed like they had good athleticism for, for their position. And, you know, the boys battled and and like we were talking in the pre-show, uh, there's a good chance that these two teams play twice. Like they're, they got another one in West Lafayette and like more than likely, if all things go to plan, they're, they're probably going to bang again in the big 10 tournament. 
So, you know, it was a tough one. You take it on the chin, you move on. But I'd like to see – I want to see a trend line because obviously when with one with one game, you don't have a trend. But I'd like to see the next game, like, is it another six-point loss or do you think they can battle and get the win? I think to the same – the same detriment that we had at Nebraska, like you got to get more out of your bench. And I don't know if Kamari would be back by then. I don't know if it's, I don't think his a season ending, but you need, you need the bench to give you something because the, your five starters aren't going to go against their five starters and then their bench. So you're just kind of left out to dry. Which with the Kamari McGee thing, just to interject here, we need way more accurate injury reporting when it comes to college athletics. I'm just going to throw that out there. hundred percent. It's fucking stupid. It's like <laughs> lower lower body, lower yeah. body injury doesn't yeah, suffice that's for you. The bad you're no, no, it does not. This is an injury childhood. Yeah. It's like the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, lower body. When's he going to be back? Yeah. he gets back. Okay. And then after the season, you found out he had like two broken femurs or some shit like that. <laughs> right. He's back. <laughs> like what the fuck, dude? Just tell me he's fuck. Tell me what's wrong. Like people are gambling on these games. <laughs> Including LSU players, so we got to make sure that yeah. people are in their money. Ryan, you said it though, like yeah, head to head. I mean, they had four of four of their starters in double figures and yep. pretty high double figures at that, you know, 20, 18, 19, 12. Like, so they they scored Dylan Knight. And I get another thing I said pre-show also is like we just we could get it to four and then it'd go to eight, and then we'd get it back to four, and then it went to six, and then it'd go to four, and then it we got it to two, but it just never felt like we could get over the hump. Like we were, we were there, and 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 like all things considered, like is a game is a game at home. We were plus ten points in the paint. You know, we forced eleven turnovers. We only turned the ball over five times. Like some of those little things, like that. You're like, yeah, we were right there, but but were we ever right there? <laughs> it's, well, look so, at that box score on the three point shooting. Like you were plus ten in the paint. Like with a Zach, Eadie. yeah, but they didn't make any more threes either. No. Like we both, both teams made three three pointers. Like the difference really was same half. amount like, of field goals. The difference was the free throw shooting, and we and I don't I watching that game. I didn't think that the you know I didn't think that the referees were were crazy impactful. You know I don't think that there was anything that was wild. I mean the last thirty seconds was kind of a little bit crazy just because anytime you have a review in college sports at the end obviously we want it to go our way but i mean I, we did a lot of things right and we still weren't there so maybe that's a good thing because the last time we lost two games we won 12 13 so so i'm hoping we could go that route yeah i you're exactly right like even though the game like we went toe-to-toe with them you know they were you know on in theory they were within reach it never really felt like once Purdue took the lead fairly early in the in the first half, you know, after Klesbic kind of went on a little run that we were ever truly going to going to turn the page and, you know, take over the game, you know, and Purdue's a team where, you know, being down six, being down eight is a bigger deal because they can and they will always be able to control the tempo of the game, you know, in play through the half court when you have a Zach Eady. Like he's just a he's one of the most you know, dominating presences that the sport has seen. And, you know, and I thought Wisconsin did a wonderful job game planning for him. I think that they did all the right things. They just took a lot of shots too early in the shot clock. Like they, they took a lot of like, okay to good shots and never took the great shot. Like it was, you know, I, obviously we are very pro AJ store podcast. We, we love the guy, but that was not a banner performance for him. I thought the, the, 
decision making, the the shot making decision, like that was questionable at best. That was, I mean, there's a reason that he was not playing down the stretch. He couldn't. You can't give possessions away, and obviously, like we only had five turnovers, but he gave a lot of possessions away by bailing them out. You know, he was a he was a ball stopper at different times, and I don't know, just wasn't horribly impressed with AJ Store. Hopefully, that's something he can bounce back from. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's a very good point. Like, you can, it's not a, an official turnover, but yeah, when you take bad jump shots, that leads to to transition, you know, and and you know, not being in a good defensive set. So, so that's that's a good, that's a fair point. I, I think one thing that stood out to me today, I was just kind of scrolling through BartTorvik.com and looking, and like obviously AJ Store has he's, he leads the team in usage rate, which I think makes sense to all of us. I mean, you're a your volume score on the wing, but in true shooting percentage, he is ninth no. on the team. And so I, I think that I think that is something where uh you know the math ain't math in there. Like if you're you're gonna need for that to be a little bit better. And I think that a lot of that is him still learning how to play within the confines of a half court offense. And there are nights where I think it goes really well. Um but this this certainly wasn't one of them. And I think he's gonna have to find a way to be more efficient and take better shots. But that's a that's a two pronged, you know, suggestion when other players are deferring and not taking those shots. At least he's showing the aggression and initiating offense. Where, you know, there are guys like Max Klesman who I feel like you know could take more shots. Obviously, Chucky Hepburn could insert himself more. I thought against Purdue in a game where, you know, you get into the lane and the Zach Eady forces you to think. And as a basketball player, like that's not something you love. You want the players to be instinctual, act on those instincts. And he makes you think just long enough for the defense to collapse on you. And Hepburn was getting in the lane. And a lot of time I thought like he could get a floater, like a little fadeaway, you know, from from six, eight feet, something like that. And he wasn't pulling the trigger. Like there, there are other guys that I think could help shoulder some of this load. So I'm not putting it all on AJ by any means. I think this is few people need to step up and he might need to take a small step back. No, but how many games in a row have we been like, eh, shot selection wasn't great for AJ. Yeah, you know, and that's, it, that's it, the problem. It's not it's not the amount of shots at all for AJ because I don't think any Badger fan would say if AJ Store was taking twenty shots and fifteen of them were at the rim or you know like a a contested layup or something like that where he's going getting towards the rim. I don't think people paint, would. Yeah. yeah, I don't think people would be constantly bringing up the shot selection. It's it's the early shots, the early threes. It's the just you know mid range, you know mid-range jump shots that with a guy in his face just again early in the shot clock i think i think aj store is at his best when he is getting to the lane and getting to the rim because he is very very hard to guard but when he makes threes uh, obviously that's just gravy yeah yeah it seemed like hands in him came out like that's like a little bit of tightness came back and like you kind of fall back on old habits like Mm -hmm. you know he only played one season at st john's but i'm sure in high school uh i'm not a high school Illinois high school basketball specialist, but I'd imagine he's probably the best player on his team if he went to St. John's. Yeah. So he's kind of been probably playing that way his entire life. So to come into like a Greg guard system, when everything starts to get a little tight, you start to see those shot selections. The only thing I would caution about and not necessarily caution him because he doesn't give a shit what I have to say, but at some level, like you take the good with the bad, like I'm so thankful to watch a dude or a dog that has that kind of ability. Like, you, you, you live by the gun, you die by the gun. And at some sometimes you're going to lose by that shot selection. And then some days he's going to go for 30 and absolutely go bonkers on someone. 
and you just hope that that's in the middle of March. And you have an 18 point lead at Nebraska. I, that also <laughs> helped too. <laughs> there's, a, there's a part of me too that, you know, is kind of just been wondering like, obviously, you're starting to see some of these teams, you know, a second time in some cases. You know, is the book out on AJ Store a little bit? Like, I can sit on my couch and tell you that when he gets the ball at the top of the key or on the left wing, if he can get to his left hand, yeah. he's going to the rim. Like, he's going to the rim. He's comfortable driving with from the left side. But if he penetrates with his right hand, it will be a jump shot, like every single time. And now that I'm telling you this, you will not unsee it. I promise you that. <laughs> I'm and sure I will. So, and so it's one of those things where, like, if you know, me, the dumbest motherfucker on this side of the Mississippi can see this. Some of the best coaches in the Big Ten are able, you know, able to game plan against this, you know, bait him into certain spots on the floor. Um, again, not taking anything away from him. Somebody has to take these shots. Like you said, you're going to live, you're going to live with the bad because the good is so fucking good. But, well, it's not uh, even just him, though. Coop, Coop brought it up a week ago when they played Michigan State and, and won by 15. That how many five out sets do we see? Like, yeah. The last three games, or maybe not necessarily the full three games, but the second half of Nebraska, the second half against Michigan State, and parts of the game at Purdue, they weren't getting post touches. And and this offense is most effective when they're getting post touches when they're playing a two man game in the offense on the offensive side, and and they're 100%. just not they're not consistently doing that right now. And I think that is probably somewhat why they're struggling. Would love yeah, to they- see. AJ in the post more. Let me see what you got down there on the block, buddy. He's got our, they, yeah. When our guards post up, when AJ, yeah, I, I mean it's it's a mismatch. It's a nice. Yeah, they, they usually try to start games by getting him a look or two there, and like I think he always gets off to a strong start when he can go out muscle his defender, yeah. which is going to happen almost every time. Get that easy bucket. It's a confidence builder. But yeah, I, I don't think they they run a lot of that for him throughout the game, and you know that's something I'd love to see a lot more of. And yeah, know, but that's you not. Know, that's that's not on him. Like he can't close no, a number. No, I I completely yeah. agree. I I think that's something where they they would like you would like to see them facilitate more of that. And I completely agree with you, Jay. Like this team is at its best when they are able to play inside out. And the last two games, you know, Nebraska and Purdue have done a really good job of. I mean, almost everyone's doubling the post against Steve, and he's been yeah. making them pay for it. Mm-hmm. But the last two games, not at all. Like we have been forced to play out on the perimeter. And just been one dimensional, and that right there has been so like a, a key for why we've struggled the way that we have. I I don't know, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what they got to do different, but something's got to change because that's taking a like Stephen Crowell impacts games the most when you can feed him in the low post, and he, when he facilitates, he finds people like he he can score at an efficient clip, but he's a facilitator like, and that's been completely taken away for the last two games. And I mean, Ryan, you said like coaching maybe is why he's not getting the ball in the store, he's not getting the ball in the post more. And that's true. But as sometimes, give me the mama mentality. Give me the fucking ball. Sometimes you just got to tell the coach that. Give me the fucking yeah, ball on the block. Let me make it happen. Yeah. But how many years of evidence do we see that that doesn't work with guard? You say that, like, that's how, like, you know, Decker yeah, has that. A, like, when he's one of your best players, if not your best player, what are you going to do? Bench him? He did. Well, I mean, he didn't play. I mean, he didn't play towards the end of the game last game. So yeah, I, I was gonna I say. I don't want to. Yeah, I was say. Spoiler alert! Yeah, last five minutes for shot selection. You know, ball coop or no? I told you I didn't watch the game. I was busy furthering my development for my career. 
yeah, he's going sorry, to King's sorry King. for caring about my life. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the bad guy. Well, they, even if he did bench him, that's not Greg Gard. Sometimes <laughs> you just got. Sometimes you got to get the guy the fucking ball, man. When things aren't going right. I think we all love Connor Siegen, but uh, I think Jay's the leader in the clubhouse. So I want to I want to give you the floor here. Uh, your boy got some some real spin, and I thought he made I thought he made a really big impact. You know, he scored six points, three of seven shots. He didn't even make a three in the game. Three, yeah. But he but he I thought he made a really good impact, and honestly was fairly impressed with the defensive effort. So I want to turn the floor over to you, Jay. Your boy got some spin. Is going to continue? I mean, I hope so. I I, he, I feel like. When Greg Gard was coming out in his press conference and was saying that, like, we need to hold, we all, this whole team is holding Connor accountable. We need to hold him accountable. He's doing every single thing that Greg Gard wanted him to do. He's defending better. He's coming in. And I think he's shooting the ball a lot more confidently now than he was even three weeks ago. And 100%. He, he's just, he is a weapon on the offensive, on the offensive side. And I said this also when we were talking before, like, when we were down late three, he's not on the floor. And, and and I know Tyler Wall had a great game, but like Tyler Wall's not gonna get a three for you. And and I know like Nolan Winter got a really good look, but but Connor Asijan, their best shooter, maybe Klesman, that's arguable, but Connor Asijan needs to be on the floor when you need a three pointer because they're gonna foul if no matter what happens, whether they make the shot, whether they miss the shot, they're gonna foul. So it's not like he's a liability on the defensive end. I just I, I guess you could say maybe he's he's not fresh or he's he's cold coming off the bench and you you don't want him shooting then but like that that's the entire game I I don't get that part either I know I said I don't disagree with a lot of stuff Greg Gard does and I'm disagreeing with a lot of stuff Greg Gard did but <laughs> I I just Connor Siegen is I as much as I didn't think he was important to the Badger success I think if they want to be the the best badger self like he's good they're gonna need to play him more because he is so dynamic on offense yeah i mean you look at connor season right now and even though he's playing a little over seven minutes a game he's second on the team in usage rate and i think he damn well should be especially in the role that he's in like you want him to aggressively hunt his shot like they're oh. calling a lot of sets for him a lot of counters pin downs like and deservedly so since the calendar year flipped um you know he didn't play the first game against uh, Iowa, I believe it was. But since uh, January 6th against Nebraska, Connor is shooting 51% from the floor. He scored in every single game he's appeared in, and he's hitting 39% of his threes. Um, I mean, he's making the most of his opportunities night in and night out. And I think that's really impressive because for a guy who was a volume scorer a year ago and set the program record for made threes by a freshman, that's really tough to do in short, short spurts um i thought he i think he's really taken all of this in stride um everything from the tough coaching to just putting in the extra time in the weight room greg already talked about him all the extra cardio sessions like he's done everything to work his way back work his way into the good graces and i think little by little we're seeing how we can impact this team and i agree with you jason i especially that the fact that we're not seeing you know the best version of john blackwell right now it's making connor siegen all the more important when you're talking about his usage, that dude's got the greenest side I've ever seen since, like, Nick Young. <laughs> He's got to be – I mean, I could be way off. He's got to be averaging, like, 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7 shots per minute when he, like, when he plays. And I'm not mad at it. I love it. 
I mean, just look at how different teams have to defend, too, when he's in the game. Like, you have to keep a man pressed up against him all the time, chasing him around. Like, otherwise, somebody else, you know, otherwise he's going to get an open look, which is the last thing they want. And when they're doing that, that just opens up the floor for, for other guys to go. Well, and then here we go. To go back to, I mean, Chucky playing two minutes. So moving forward, do we see Max running the point more with like a Siegen and Store or Blackwell? And then the two bigs. I mean, didn't John Blackwell come to Wisconsin as a point guard? I know he's been playing a lot of the three and stuff like that, but he, he was a two. He he was. I mean, he was listed as a combo guard coming out of high school. He played the two every year of his high school career until his senior year. He played point guard, kind of out of necessity. So it's not like I spoke to his high school coach last summer and kind of you know just talked about John's game and. He said, like, I think he has all the tools to play point, but I don't know that's necessarily what he's he's destined to play. And I, I would say based on, you know, what, what I've seen to this point that I completely agree with that assessment. And I, that's why I think we can steal minutes at the one, you know, especially right now with John, but uh, definitely not where he's going to profile long term. I get to when teams are like pressuring the ball that that's important, but is if, if teams are just playing half court defense, does it really matter who brings the ball up the court? It shouldn't. Yeah, I, I, w- I would agree in a, in an era of positionless basketball, yeah, I think it's, yeah. that, that line is so much more gray than it, than it used to be. Yeah, and I think whether it's going to be Blackwell or Seijin or anybody, like if you go back to that last shot, you got to circle back to that. Like I, like like Hoop said, he's got one of the greenest lights since anyone that I can remember at Wisconsin. He gets up so many shots. Are you really Are we really drawing up the play for the backup big man to shoot the three? Like that – that to me is on coaching and kind of when you talk about like you don't necessarily agree with all the stuff with Greg Gard, but you also are disagreeing at this time. Like two things can be true. Like he could have, he has coached his ass off this year. He's done a great job. And he also had two clunkers like the end of Nebraska clunker end of the um, Purdue game where you're getting Nolan winter, uh, albeit an open shot. Maybe let's shoot like a sniper in there. Like maybe just, just a thought. So it's like he had two bad, end of the games or end of the halves but on the on the same token like he's been really good this year so both things can be true like he left more to be desired and he's doing a great job and then I mean, it's hard not to, sure if anyone that talked about it when my shitty fucking hotel wi-fi cut out <laughs> but uh you're done at tootsies <laughs> i wish it but purdue had one less defensive rebound than we had total rebounds just yeah, look like I didn't watch the game, but just looking at the box score, we got it rebounded 42 to 29. I get they have Zach Eady, but that's a <laughs> fucking problem. Yeah. Especially when Stephen Crowell had five rebounds. I, it's tough because with Purdue, like obviously, there's for obvious reasons, I mean, they're going to yeah. win most rebounding battles. But the big thing with Purdue is you're going to so much of the rebounding is on tip outs. Like it's not. Like he just he's just gonna tip something out, and yeah. like a lot of the guards are getting extra rebounds as a result. And yeah. so it's they tough for Stephen Crowell to get him. Like you, you got to rely on like a John Blackwell or like a Max Klesman to just go and get it. That's yeah, tough. that's a good point, Dylan. Because Purdue had three other players, uh, two guards and a forward with six rebounds. You gotta you gotta stay active on that end. Like it's I don't know it. There were so many moments where the ball would be kind of loose. You know, would tip off of Edie's hand or something, and. We'd have guys that were in the area, but like they would have their back to him or something. Like they're, I don't know. It, it's just a really uniquely tough situation, and it's one of those things where like really only produce team his teammates 
are accustomed to playing that way. And I got to imagine that's a nightmare as a player to just so frustrating to watch them get so many reloads that way. Any, any closing thoughts here, fellas, before we uh, head into a real quick ad read before we come out the back end and uh, do some big dog of the week and some Toby Keith moments. Nah, we're on to who Minnesota next. Michigan. We're on, we're on to Michigan. Oh, yeah, Jawan Howard week. That's right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it around the table here real quick before we get into the ad read. Uh, Jason, Jawan Howard, going to hit a human being in this week or no? Yes or no? I'm setting the line at minus 150 that he hits somebody. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it's hard to argue. He's close to losing his job, so the dude could come in unhinged at any moment. Ryan, you think he's going to slap someone? Oh, 100 percent. You you said human. <laughs> uh, you you said human. You didn't say opponent. So uh, so one of those assistants is taking one right in the cheeker. <laughs> like someone someone's catching those hands. I don't know if you caught it a couple of weeks ago. He actually almost got dismissed from the program altogether for yeah. hitting one of his athletic trainers. Um, so yeah, it totally checks out. Coop, what about you? You think he's going to hit Easy somebody money, involved uh, involved? You know, in the game. I'm going to go him hitting someone solo at like plus three fifty. And then I'm going to go plus 10,000. The Fab Five comes out and starts like a Malice at the Palace, too. I would give anything. I'd yeah. give absolutely anything. To see Jalen Rose and his out. perfect haircut just fighting oh, fans. I was going to say, he comes out there just extra crisp. <laughs> you know, damn well he's got a bat over his shoulder. Oh, like. fuck yeah. A Letterman jacket size medium. <laughs> well, that seems like good enough jumping off your point, fellas. Uh, you know, we're going to send it off for our, our teammates over at Autograph. Uh, if you want to get reward for listening to shows like Badger Knows After Dark, the team at Autograph, co-founded by Tom Brady, is redefining the fan experience by letting users earn points for the acts of fandom that they take every day, like listening to the show. The Autograph fandom app gives you access to all your favorite Wisconsin Badgers content all in one place and offers rewards like t- tickets, exclusive merchandise, and more. You already listened to our show, but now you can earn points to get rewarded for it. Head on over to the Apple App Store and search for Autograph Phantom Rewarded and download it today for free using referral code Badger Notes. All right, fellas. Uh, time for our big dog of the week. Um, Ryan, I want to toss it over to you. Uh, who made an impact in your life this week? Well, you know, I was going to have two of them, but I, I think, uh, well, I guess it still is kind of multiple. Uh, my big dogs of the week. It's all the people that slept outside to see the boys play Purdue. Um, I mean, that kind of energy was awesome. We saw plenty of videos, and you know, from our Badger notes, the friends that uh, were at the game, and it was electric. And sleeping outside is kind of what contributed to that. So, just absolute big <laughs> dogs doing what they needed to do. I saw that line like uh, on social media platforms. You see the line was kind of out from the student section door, which is kind of on the side of the Cole Center, like all the way to Og Hall, which, I mean, I'm not good at math, is a lot of people. So the fact that they were out there at like 8 o'clock in the morning, 20 degrees, sleeping overnight just to see the boys. Student section, basketball student section, area red, big dogs of the week. Hell yeah. I've got nothing but love for that one. Uh... To this day, man, the only only issue I got with any of that is that I I wish they would do away with area red and bring back you know the grateful red. I just yeah. uh, the Alondo Tucker years like yep. that to me is what the student section is. Bring it back. Those tie dye shirts were so fucking sick, dude. 
I still have I still have my 0708 one. I'll never get rid of that shit. Me too. I don't think it goes over my man tits anymore, I but just, I still have it. Still it still fits. The funny thing is mine's too just, big for me, which means I bought which means which means that I bought it thinking I was going to grow and grow. Wrong. Wrong. No, uh, Ryan, I I can respect that move, but you would never catch me camping out to go attend a sporting event. I'm just going to say me. That's why I said they're big dogs. Hey, yeah, it's it's like, I respect the move, but personally, I would never do that. I'll me, say in the comfort of bar hanging out. Home. Home. <laughs> like, Jason, how about you? Yeah, I'm going to give my big dog of the week actually <laughs> to Tyler Wall for his performance against Purdue. I mean, I had someone, the guy, one of the guys I was watching the game with say that that might be Tyler, one of Tyler Wall's best games as Badger. Uh, he was incredibly efficient. He he was a bright spot for a team that was battling back. There's no quit in that guy. He's gritty. He's every adjective you can think of for a white guy playing basketball. Uh, and last one out. Gym rat. <laughs> He's a gym rat. Yeah. So fundamentally sound. Well, big dog. Really athletic. Sneaky fast. <laughs> Sneaky fast. Grew up. I had great parents. Grew up in a good family environment. Grew up in a good family. Yeah. Good, good basketball. Not. Gritty, not pretty. <laughs> <laughs> he just does all the does all the dirty work for you. He's a locker room kind of guy. guy you'd want to marry your daughter. <laughs> no, that's a good one. Like I said, I didn't watch the game, but just box score looking and scrolling through Twitter, sounds like Tyler Wall played quite exceptional. Yeah, I thought he was fearless, and um, he he was not afraid of Zach Eady down low, and he used the footwork to his advantage, and mm-hmm. just. Really, really impressive game from Tyler. Um, he's shown time and time again that he's capable in the, it's the right matchup of being someone that you can use kind of as a lead scorer, again, against the right team. Um, but when he gets in the zone, like, he, he wants it, and he was one of the few people who, you know, had anything working offensively. So I think that's an excellent one. Coop, but you? Um, I got two big dogs of the week. My first one... Uh, zero or badger related, <laughs> but um, <laughs> my first one is uh, Jurgen Klopp, the um, soccer manager for Liverpool FC, to all my uh, Premier League fans out there. Shout out Liverpool, um, boys. More of a Ted Lasso guy myself, but <laughs> no. bro, love Jurgen Klopp. I mean, this guy. You want to talk about leader of fucking men? I've been like pitching for him to be a, like a head football coach in the NFL for like eight years. And he's like a knows, legitimate Ted Lasso situation, but like yeah. reverse. Like he, know, he knows nothing about American football, I'm sure. But like you just get those guys. You can learn strategy. This guy knows how to lead men. But uh, he is stepping down um, as the manager of Liverpool after the season to, uh, you know, just kind of relax, enjoy his life. I think he's like 61 years old. Just he's getting burnt out. So shout out Jurgen, man. Um, Big one of the big dogs of the week. He won the uh, Champions League. Uh, I forget, like four years ago, maybe with Liverpool, which is like the highest um, trophy you can win over in Europe. So shout out Jurgen, going on, on his own terms. That's a big dog move. And then my other big dog of the week. Uh, we had the Grammys on Sunday, and um, shout out Killer Mike. I'm sure you guys are all big Killer Mike fans. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Dylan knows exactly who that is. First name Killa, last name Mike. <laughs> but uh, Killa Mike had the uh, Grammy sweep 
in the rap category. He won best rap performance, best rap song, and rap album of the year. And uh, he's he's been in the game since like 1995 with the Dungeon Family, Outcast, Eight Ball, MJG. I'm sure I'm speaking a different language to you guys right now. Three Six Mafia. Yeah, so you've covered yeah. most of the alphabet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, Three Six yeah. Mafia. He's won half of Run the Jewels. Um, always been regarded as one of the best rappers out there by people who actually know rap music, but has never really gotten um, his flowers. So shout out to Killer Mike for uh, taking home three Grammys at like I think he's like 42 or 45 years old, something like that. Yeah, but and did then, you see Luke Combs and Tracy Chapman? That's probably thought he was car. No, I I got a follow up. I got a follow up on that. Um, okay, Coop, I saw your tweet. Yeah, I gotta, <laughs> just let me finish here. But uh, also, big dog move by Killer Mike. Got arrested while leaving the Grammys. So. Oh, I didn't see that. I, I saw that. I told yeah, my okay. wife, I'm like, I don't know who this dude is, but he got arrested and he won an award. <laughs> yeah, he won three of them. Uh, Shout out to the mic, dude. I fucking love Killer Mike. Now I'm familiar with your game. But yeah. <laughs> and then, not the big dog, but the biggest cake of the week, Tracy Chapman, dude. <laughs> Bro, you want to talk? She needs a fuck. You need one of those reverse beepers on that dump truck. Are you kidding me? <laughs> He's like a fine line, dude. I don't think I can handle that much fucking cheeks. God damn it. That's all. It's literally, literally all I could focus on. I was like, yo, Tracy Chapman double cheeked up on a Sunday, brother. What are we doing? Shout out Luke Holmes for being able to like focus and sing no, through the song. Spasming. I would have been like, yo, oh girl. Oh my god, Coop. Oh, tell me I'm wrong. We know what you're doing in that hotel room later tonight. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, don't bring the black light in here, fellas. <laughs> Prayers up for the cleaning crew. <laughs> Heard that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did not have. Did yeah. Not have yeah, I tip it has a I, fat ass on my bingo card. <laughs> I know I, I tip well for the cleaning crew. It's worth it. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna take a really different path for my big dogs of the week. Um, <laughs> oh, you didn't uh, have Tracy Chapman with a fat ass on your fucking bingo card? I <laughs> uh, didn't actually. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot uh, a little different direction. I want to throw my big dogs of the week to uh, my mom and pops. Uh, Hell yeah, they, they, they took uh, they took Tuesday off with me uh, this past week and uh, to help me rebuild my my entire my entire bathroom. And, you know, that ended up turning into a day and a half project. And uh, they, they, they they were grinding around the clock with me. And the old man was teaching me a lot of things I knew nothing about. And just very, very thankful to have people in my life that will, uh, you know, take time out of their day, do something that they got nothing to benefit from just to just to help me out. So I want to give a lot of love to mom and dad. Thank you all very much. I uh, don't know what yeah, I'm yeah. So I just want to give give some love to them. Big dogs of the week. Shout out Kim and Tom. Big dogs of the fucking century, dude. And uh, like we said, fellas, entering this episode, we were entering with some heavy hearts. Um, like we said, Toby Keith died today. Uh, it's a man that in some capacity a lot of us grew up with. Uh, influential part of our lives. Some of our early uh, music listening experience. I want to throw it around the table. Uh, I don't really care what direction you take. If you want to throw a favorite song, one that stands out to you, one that uh, you know you got a memory with, what is it, Coop? Toby Keith. How do you? Um, not not only did Toby Keith um, pass away today, part of America died today. Um, say what so you will. Say what you will about Toby Keith. 
I mean, you can get all the political shit. We're not going to do that here. But I fucking love Toby Keith growing up. When you're having some beers with the boys and you're just feeling like fucking America, you throw on some Toby goddamn Keith. Um, my favorite song by Toby Keith is actually the, I believe it's on the album Shocking Y'all. Um, it's the live, one of the live bonus tracks, uh, Weed with Willie. That's probably my favorite love a uh, Toby Keith song. So I listened to that like five times today, just chilling in my hotel room. And I'm sure all the people in the hallway like fucking heard me. Because one, this lady next to me was complaining about my alarm clock going off at 630. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm trying to fucking get breakfast and get to class and jam out the fucking Toby Keith in the weekend. Fucking dumb bitch. But uh, yeah, weed with Willie, dude. I'll never smoke weed with Willie again. It's, it hits different, man. Don't get us copyrighted for that. <laughs> Ryan. What about you, man? Uh, you know, I, I agree with Coop. I, you know, I kind of grew up in like the rap and the hip hop era growing up in Phoenix and kind of living there. And, but did so, you, you don't know who Killer Mike is. I knew I was one that just said three, six mafia. Like I knew He's who not three, six mafia. Oh, well then I have no idea. This is, this is... <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. I mean, I guess Mike Tyson got a new brand, but you know, all those, you know, high school house parties, throw on a little Toby. And in tribute to him. Oh, hell yeah. My favorite song, We are, you already know what it is, baby. Oh, right. great jam. Now for Toby. They, Fuck they, yeah. I've been, hey. been out so many times to this song right here. <laughs> Red Solo Cup. My man. Jason, I already know which one you're taking, and I love you to death for it. But Jason, what do you got? <laughs> yeah, man. Should have been a cowboy. Uh, one of my one of my favorite childhood pics is me dressed up, cowboy hat, rodeo garb. Uh, Do we have the picture? Always been a cowboy. I sent it in the group chat. Absolute uh, stud too. Yeah. yeah. Always Are been you a, kidding always me? Cowboy. Always been a cowboy. That's probably my favorite. But I mean, also I got an honorable mention and an iconic line: "American girls." Oh my god, yes. That's an all timer, man. That that gets everybody just. If that doesn't give you fucking goosebumps, yeah, dude. Like, or goosebumps. I'm sorry, but yeah, Toby, you a real one. Yeah, I still yeah, get the goose. The American ride. Should have been a cowboy. Will forever be the song that I request at every wedding I attend until yeah. the day I die. Um, yeah, that's, a funeral. Right, that's a funeral playlist song. That boot scoot and boogie. There's a couple other ones, but that's a funeral playlist song right there. Yeah, that's that. That's one of my yes, all time favorites. Should have been a Cowboys and absolute fucking classic. Just want to throw a, you know, just, just kind of like we did with the the draft last week. Just gonna throw a few couple honorable mentions up there from Toby. As good as I once was. I, I think everyone sitting here Banger. believes it believes in their heart that they can go out and do something that they were capable of doing 10 years oh, ago. Absolutely. And, and we're dead ass wrong. But Toby sent the message to the world, letting everyone know he ain't as good as he once was, but he's as good once as he ever was. Banger. So I, I got some love for that. How do you like me now? How do you like me now? Oh, who's who's your daddy? Who's your baby? Dude, wow, that's yep. I didn't even think of that one. Yeah, he wrote an entire song about how much he loved his bar. Like, yeah, yes. Oh god, that was uh, beer for my horses. Uh, sh shout out my guy Brock Mosier. Uh, when when he got married, you know, obviously 
that one didn't pan out, but uh, <laughs> but but if they only stick with me, if you didn't say that, you should have let that one slide. Stick with me. At okay. the reception, uh, we he Brock and I actually kicked kicked off the reset like the entire reception by uh, doing a duet of "Beer for My Horses," uh, Toby Keith and Willie Nelson in front of a ballroom full of about two hundred people. So that was iconic. I mean, that's and, awesome. Uh, that's a moment I'll always have with Brock. Um, top five drunks ever been. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, there's another one. Jay already touched on courtesy of red, white, and blue. I think that's an absolute oh. no brainer. Like that went without saying. You know, that yeah. he'll bury with that one. You know, I'll just leave it at my list by Toby. You know, you never, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. And it's all about, uh, you know, setting some priorities in life. And, you know, hopefully Toby was able to cross a few, few of those things off uh, before this morning. So, yeah. RIP to Toby Keith, uh, legend. He made every single one of us want to be a cowboy. And, uh, you know, RIP in peace. I got nothing more. Anyone else want yeah. to add anything? No, just, when I woke up, hit the old Twitter machine, and I saw that Toby Keith. I mean, obviously, we knew he was uh, struggling with the old, I think, stomach cancer he had, correct? Yeah. So, but still, it's just sad. Absolute, absolute legend. And I'm not the biggest country guy, but you you throw on some Toby Keith, dude. Oh, yeah. yeah. Toby I'm Keith in the fucking, I'm in the mood. Give me a cowboy hat and a fucking big old bell buckle. He's one of, he's one of those... He's one of those like legends that he'll play in most crowds. Like, yeah, it's hard for him, you know, people to dislike that. Yeah, Toby's built different. He, he's for the boys, but uh, yeah, it's just you know sad. And I, I think the song that I kind of stick to most is like one of his new ones. I was you know deep in the Twitter verse earlier today, and I saw an interview he did like with with somebody. I think it was CBS or something. He was talking about a song that he wrote for uh, uh, Clint Eastwood, like "Don't Let the Old Man In," and like. You know, I'm 36 feeling like knees feeling like I'm 96. And I listen to that song and I'm like, man, that's that's going to be one that lives on. Like all those ones that you that we just went through, absolute heaters. But something like that, that's just more of like calm, like letting you know, like, hey, uh, uh, Father Time waits for no one. And it's just kind of. Yeah. And it's 62 stomach cancer. It's kind of a realization, like some of those guys, that, guys and gals that you listen to, you watch that kind of carry you through those times. Like they're they're gonna be gone eventually, and it's salute to a real one. And that's a good point, Ryan. Like a song that like makes you realize, like, oh, I'm fucking old, and like my days are numbered. Like that reminds me of a uh, Johnny Cash when he did the cover of Hurt when he was like what eighty. It was like right before he died, and yeah, it's like you ripped it to shreds. Yeah, and I think the original song was by Nine Inch Nails, and like both songs are completely like one's about like. You know, like being hurt, like your heart's hurt, shit like that. And one's like, hey, I'm about to fucking die. Like, I'm old. And like you said, Dylan, like, that'll rip your heart to shreds. And I kind of got that um, with Toby Keith with some of the songs he wrote at the end. But no, rest in, rest in peace to a legend. Uh, nothing but respect, man. Yeah, I want to throw in one last one just on behalf of my wife because it's, uh, it's a Toby, Toby song that we both love very much. Uh, Huckleberry. That's that a great was, uh, song. Yeah, used to. I have some very vivid memories of. Uh, I used to. I used to listen to uh, Unleashed when I would go to sleep every night when I was in elementary school. That album and uh, user, yeah, it usually I'd hit Huckleberry and knew that I that was around the time I was about to start drifting and uh, I love that one. But that was that was one that my wife said was probably her favorite. So I want to throw that one in there too. But uh, fellas, on a on a much lighter note, potentially, uh, let's roast some human beings that are alive. And uh, <laughs> what are we, what are we doing here? Moments of the week. 
Ryan, I want to throw it over to you. Who did you wrong? Uh, well, I got a list of probably about 100 of them. Uh, let's just put them all together, and we'll just call it yeah. NFL players. Um, oh, we can – oh, God. What what are we doing here? What what are what is this Pro Bowl flag football nonsense? My son's like, oh, let's watch the Pro Bowl stuff, and I was like, I haven't watched it in years because it's been soft and weak, and you know all those you know testosterone filled toxic masculinity things I can throw out. But it's just like football is meant to be violent. Like, make uh, I saw something on uh, a podcast I watched that Andrew Sandejo, former Viking, former uh, Eagle, I think, with Jonathan. Anyway. Who cares? He didn't play that. I have a player. He was a good player. Okay, I, I was trying to diminish him, but he's got a great a great hat. It said "Make football violent again." So, you know, I kind of got this mentality of like, you know, Luke Fickle comes to town. He even talks about tough, nasty, physical, violent. And then I see some of the most elite athletes on planet Earth playing flag football. Like, just don't even play the game. Like, why are we playing tug of war? Like. We got million, we got billions of dollars on the field, and we're just going to run around pulling each other's flags. I'm not, I'm not a scientist or a doctor, obviously. Um, something tells me non-contact injuries when you're not, when you're dicking around, running full speed sometimes, not running full speed. How is that any safer than just padding up and playing football? And and I'm not even. I, we don't have enough time on the day to go into who the hell even makes the Pro Bowl roster anymore. Yeah, but some of these scabs aren't even the best players on their own teams. So why are you a Pro Bowler? It did Gardner Minshew make the Pro Bowl? Huh? Gardner Minshew did make the Pro Bowl. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and he it started? gets better. He, he was well, he the, started in a flag football. He's out there slinging out routes on fourth he, and mid. <laughs> he, he was the ninth choice. Right. And how many teams are there, Dylan? 32. Not so great at math. You're getting pretty close to the middle of the pack. So are we? Is literally half the team's Pro Bowls? Like, the, let's just get away from this participation trophy game. Just make it like an All Pro or something. Like, oh, you're a first team Pro Bowler, you're a second team Pro Bowler. Give them a plaque or you know, a gift card to De- to Denny's or Chili's or wherever. But the idea of playing a flag football game on like a mid-sized field, and you got uh, Gardner Minshew throwing out routes. I don't just. Amon Ross St. Brown, great year. Don't yeah. know that he's a top 10 wide receiver, but great year. You got Puka Nakua, like decent. Are we see top? I can name 10 wide receivers better than those two. I'm not going to do it now, but I'd be happy. Yeah, we, could, we could have a hell of a show, Ryan, together talking NFL. But I'm just saying, like, at the end of the day, do we are we all on the same page? Like, there's so many. Yeah, like, that's fucking stupid. Like, last year, I thought it was the worst ever, and I was like, I told myself I was never going to watch it, but I love my 10-year-old, and he wanted to watch it, so what What he asked, you know, I try to abide by it. But when we turn it on, and I'm like, I said, after I heard Tyler Huntley was a quarterback last year, I'm never going to watch this. But when you got Gardner Minshew at quarterback, like, come on, bro, what are we doing here? No, yeah. I'm with you. I think there should be, like, you can have the Pro Bowl team, because part of it's fan vote. I get it. You want the fans to, like, you know, be part of it. It's kind of interactive. Bro, Josh Allen decided to play in a golf tournament instead of start going. So I don't care what yeah, the fans I would have, too. <laughs> that would be the same, yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Why are we doing it, then? But, like, so they, they should just have a team. I don't need the Pro Bowl games. Just give me the Pro Bowl roster Boom. with the fan vote. And then you have the all-pro team, which, to me, always just matters more. Exactly. Boom. Done. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't I, The Pro Bowl's fucking stupid. 
if I'm a player, the only reason I'm going is to cash that $88,000 check that I saw that they, they yeah. received for attending. That's the only reason I'm thinking about it. But in, ter- but, in terms of like the credibility of the award, football. there is none. And did they play it in Florida? Yeah, it's in Orlando. Yeah, so they don't have to pay taxes on that money either. <laughs> you don't have to pay taxes on that. So I, like, if you're Gardner Minshew, yeah, I'll go make $45,000 fucking dollars, whatever. But it's you just dumb. It's dumb. I, yeah, I hate the fucking Pro Bowl. Like, you get some of the challenges that are, like, cool. Like, the pre- precision, pa- or precision passing isn't that bad. Like, the snapping thing that they had. Like, that was all right, but, like, I don't need that in my life. Easy on the passing. Those guys went out there and did the passing, and then big old stooge Dan Orlovsky went out there and had anybody playing. So are these really good quarterbacks, or is this drill stupid? Because if some guy's doing it in dress pants and he's doing a better job, I know he's an NFL player, former NFL player, but these guys are I mean, pro bowlers. He ran on the, he ran the back of the end zone. So Right, and he's out there doing <laughs> yeah. better. We got we to gotta do better like, than that. I guess I should like I like the idea of the precision passion. Like it's a cool like challenge, yeah, but like, I don't need it. I liked better back in the day when they did okay, who can throw the ball the fucking farthest? And then <laughs> Brett Favre would win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was fucking sick, but no. I'm yeah, I, I kind of like the, the mini games. Like those are good ideas, but yeah, I'm I'm like when it's the ninth alternate that's there, like let's give up yeah. the fellas. Like there's no point to it at that. Like Coop said, just Name a team, give them and give them some sort of incentive for making it, and, and cut your losses. Like, well, no reason to put on a clown show. And it's stupid because in a lot of these contracts, like making the Pro Bowl is a huge incentive for these guys. Oh yeah, being all pro is like huge. Yeah, but like making the Pro Bowl should not be like a five hundred thousand dollar fucking incentive for people, especially well, when the fans are voting on it. Lucky for these guys, they were only a couple more withdrawals away from like Zach Wilson getting it. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. That would be. That, I would watch that. I'm not gonna lie. But and I agree with you, Ryan. Like, okay, you want to take the game away to prevent injury, but now you're doing all these mini games where it's just as easy to get hurt when you're running maybe 75 percent speed, and then and they're you're going like, to grab a flag that they haven't played yeah. since their children. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I, I just the logic doesn't make sense. I came up with a great idea that I submitted on Twitter, but I don't think the NFL cares. Uh, they don't. Like obviously, <laughs> but if they want to actually make money, because the biggest, the biggest, oh, thing if they want to make money. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like they they always talk about like growing the game and making more money, but at the end of the day, they don't want to pay these billionaire guys to be on the injured reserve. I get it. But, like, do kind of what the NBA does where you do a rising stars challenge. Everybody that's in their first year or second year that's not in search of that contract year, have a game for those guys. I like that. Because a lot of the stars, everybody already knows. But it's like if you go out there and you got – I don't know the Packers roster well enough, but I know the people that watch this probably like the Packers. But Jaden Reed. There you Dante go. Tavion yeah, Wicks. What's, what's, what's yeah. the up, dude? Tatted up guy number nine. Christian Watson. Yeah, Watson. like have those two out there and then have, like – I don't know, uh, Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or somebody out there and actually play a game with two – well, maybe not Bryce Young, but yeah. <laughs> but rising stars, like quarterbacks like from the first or second years, guys, so people can, can become familiar with them so they're not just, oh, I heard of them when they finally made a Pro Bowl in year whatever or the, the ninth alternate, I finally heard of them. No, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, I, I think the NFL uh, 
that they've tried everything, you know, in terms of the Pro Bowl, but like well, they they, they're gonna have they to, to they're gonna have to continue to either get more creative or fucking cut bait because yeah. it ain't been the same since JJ Watt dislocated his finger during the Pro Bowl. No, ran to the sideline, had someone put it back in, and he didn't miss a play. So, it ain't uh, been the same since rest in <laughs> peace. Sean Taylor, Taylor fucking decapitated Brad Mormon, dude. That, that seems like back to his religion. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fact, and that's the end of the discussion because you're right. <laughs> like, um, so, Coop, who fucked you over this week? Who did you wrong? Who upset you? What are we doing here? Well, all right. I kind of got two what are we doing here uh, per standard. I was going to say, that's Yeah, normal. that's on par. Um, first, what are we doing here? The city of Atlanta, dude. It's the first time I've ever been here. You want to talk about a wild fucking place. And I'm on, we're on the Georgia Tech campus is where the convention was. Like pretty nice hotel, convention center. You're but, downtown. What's that? You're almost downtown. Oh, yeah. We down, we downtown, downtown. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we out here. Dude, every morning or every night is probably going to start in like an hour. It's 1117 here. Um, there's just like Hellcats and dirt bikes and fucking ATVs racing down the main road. And like the cops are on the road. And it's just going by. Dude, I checked into the hotel. Yeah, I think they're, they're sitting over there. Kind of getting ready. I always put, like, you know, my wallet, my phone charger by the phone um, on the nightstand. And they had two bags of earplugs there. I was like, why the fuck are there earplugs in this hotel room? And there's a little card. It was like, thank you for staying at the Georgia Tech Hotel and Convention Center. Here, a complimentary set of earplugs. I was like, well, this makes no fucking sense. And then it was like 2 a.m. on I got here Saturday. It's like 2 a.m. Saturday, Sunday morning, whatever you want to Start call it. Making sense. Yeah, I was like, man, I might need these fucking earplugs right now. I guess that's like a really nice gift. Yeah, I was like, these these guys know what they're fucking doing. But then, I mean, and I love it, but it's just kind of a ratchet place, dude. <laughs> uh, apparently, weed's legal down here because it just fucking reeks of weed when you walk the streets, which is whatever I have no problem with. Um, but a lot of homeless when you walk down the streets and then i went for dinner today they didn't have dinner at the convention hall so there's like a little buffalo wild wings like to go place right around the corner so i went there and got some wings dude this one so like the manager the one guy comes up and like as he's like hey is my carrot order ready he's like yeah what's your name he's like robert he's like all right what's your last name because they have a screen with like they have a screen with like everyone's carry out order and there's like four roberts on the fucking screen and so he's like, what's your last name? And that was the wrong thing to ask this guy, apparently. They got in a huge, a huge fucking argument. This dude, he's like, why do you know what, what my fucking last name is? It doesn't fucking matter what my last name is. My name is fucking Robert. He's like, I'm trying to give you the right fucking order, dude. Like, what are you talking about here? And so they got in a big thing to what his last name is. So the manager of this fucking B-dubs bagged all of like his shit up and then fucking threw it at him, dude. I wish I had this on video. I'm not fucking kidding. And I'm just sitting there like, man, I just want my fucking 15 piece and get the fuck out of here before something fucking bad happens. And it's right next to the Waffle House, which I went to last night. And I walked in there and it was me and one other person in the Waffle House. And I'm not going to jump to conclusions, but this person was definitely off crack. They, they hit that pookie and wanted the Waffle House, bro. So, Atlanta's a wild place. I mean, I don't mind it. It's been pretty nice. But Atlanta's a wild fucking place. So, what are we doing? more at home. Yeah. Like, 
what are we doing here, Atlanta? Why have I not known about this sooner? And I didn't hit, hit any of the strip clubs, but uh, like Ryan said before the show, there's a strip club like every three blocks. Especially where you're at, brother. <laughs> yeah. You got dirt bikes and strip clubs. You're a, you're in like player's heaven. Yeah. Like fucking King of Diamonds is right down the street and That's shit like that. They got the Lou. I forget <laughs> what it is. Where Lou Williams has his own wings. He's the Lou William lemon pepper wings. That's remember, when, remember when he left the bubble? Because he had to take care of like one of his family members, and they, and then there was pictures of him and Jack Harlow at the fucking titty bar eating fucking chicken wings. That's what you should have totally... wings. You should have. You could have saw some cakes. You could have saw. I know. Like. <laughs> There'll never be anything cooler than when James Harden got his jersey retired. Retired in club. In yep. <laughs> it made sense though. I mean, that guy. He put all that dude put a max contract in at that strip club. That's the least they could do. <laughs> yeah. Like, he put a lot of people through college. Yeah. Yes, he did. And then my other what are we doing here? Um, first off, I would like to congratulate Jason on winning our inaugural um, draft, the all-time Wisconsin basketball moments draft. Uh, kind of ran away with it. You and Ryan were uh, it was a two-horse two race for sure. <laughs> yeah, I got like 6.6 6 votes, so not great, especially when it was my topic idea. Um, so don't feel good about that. That one seed was a big deal, though. That it was. was it was. Quick. But we had some good responses, so we'll be doing some more uh, drafts in the future. And if you haven't checked it out, go check it out. I thought it was a pretty good episode. But So congrats to you, Jay. Um, but then we had this fucking dork. <laughs> uh, Craig, you pussy on the internet. So Yeah, I did, I did call you a pussy. But you're self-proclaimed. Self-proclaimed. Um, Craig I. I'm sure I butchered that name, but I don't care. Um, listening to the pod, Craig. No, he clearly didn't listen to the fucking pod. <laughs> I got this fucking Twitter thread up right now. Um, he commented, you know, we Dylan put out a great graphic. Awesome job, Dylan. And then Craig. Really come a long way. Really, you really have. Way. You really have. For our, our resident boomer. Our boomer. <laughs> you, our boomer you I am, but... I'm growing. <laughs> um, he put in quotes, moment. Ryan is the only one who can follow directions, so he gets the nod. And then you know me, just trying to interact with the fans. It's what we do. I put, I won't apologize for being an all-American bad boy who doesn't play by the rules. Just, you know, just a little joke. Our boy Jeff liked it. He, he understood what I was going for there. And, uh, oh, whoops, I lost it. Oh, fuck you, Craig. He didn't like that, he didn't like that you called yourself a bad boy. Oh no! Clearly, all American. He didn't like that you called yourself an all American. All American, yeah, yeah. a buddy. Especially because <laughs> we all know your whole world, bad boy. Yeah, <laughs> don't live. Yeah. So then he, this dude, tries to chirp me on Twitter, buddy. You've obviously never fucking heard of me in the streets. He came to the playground. Yeah, honorable mention, all American at best. That's where he got me. Now I'm in. Pretty good, honorable mention, all American. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, but. Not for me. I have higher standards than that. <laughs> Jay, that's why you took the ring. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like I said, I was in a hotel room with nothing to do oh, except, except fucking go back and forth with this guy on Twitter. Like, I had so much time for it. Like, Coop, Coop's not about to shy away from contact. No, never have. Uh, yeah, honorable All-American, or honorable mention All-American at best. Jason doesn't play by the rules either, and had, rules either, and I had a better oh, draft. Why is this guy coming at me? <laughs> so then so then I hit our uh, group DM on Twitter. I was like, Jason, I'm sorry for this ricochet shot you're about to take, brother, but I got to come at this dude. So <laughs> then I reply, 
Jason's a self-proclaimed pussy. You siding with him says a lot about your character and judgment skills, or lack thereof. And then this dude proceeds to try to come at me for like three tweets in a row about using proper grammar on Twitter. Like, dude, we're on the bird. Like, not many people are using proper fucking grammar. <laughs> sorry, I didn't. Sorry, I didn't end my fucking tweet with a period. You fucking dork. Well, it seems like dead dork's on his. So, like, it's like, dude, I'm I'm sure that guy's a fucking great time at parties. I bet you him and his wife hold hands a lot. He definitely has the cell phone with the pocket protector. Dude hasn't seen a pussy in fucking fifteen years. I bet. But anyway, so he just just keeps coming at me, and I don't know this guy. He he fucking he got to me. So kudos to him because he fucking hit the right buttons. But he fucking pissed me off. Like, what are you you attacking me for my grammar on Twitter? That's all you have. How like how small of a fucking brain do you have, bro? And then saying we didn't play by the rules and they weren't moments. You clearly just didn't listen to the show and you just went off the graphic like a fucking imbecile. So don't ever do that again. And two, don't ever disrespect my punctuation. Or my literature skills again. I've been reading at a college level since I was in third grade. All right, dog. I'm about this shit. So Cooper, Cooper's hitting you with a PG-13 like Richard Sherman moment. Don't you ever yeah. talk about me? Yeah. Oh, I could get real. I could get real after dark right now. Yeah. But... yeah. And but we're not going to. If you ever watch the pod, he could see it in the intro. You come at the king. And you best not, best not miss, miss, bitch. <laughs> and you best not Mitch. And then, I mean, the last thing I did is I sent him a Shane Gillis clip calling him gay, and he really had no response for that. Nothing wrong with that. No, there's nothing wrong with that. It was, just a, it was just a joke. We love the gays. It was a joke. Right. We got to get out of here. It was a joke. We've, over, we, we've overstayed our welcome at an hour and 16 minutes. Uh, we we got to get out of here. <laughs> get y'all back here next week, and uh, on Wisconsin.